0: Welcome to another edition of the SSPX podcast, delivering sermons, lectures, and the spoken word from across the English-speaking world. In this episode, we will be speaking again with Father Paul Robinson. This episode, we will go back to two topics that were previously discussed in order to treat them with a little bit more depth. One of them is the question of whether or not good things have happened in the church since Vatican II. And another topic we will be discussing more fully is how we can define as Catholics the recent pontificates and how it fits in to Father Robinson's Epistodometer that he lays out in his book. Finally, we will be discussing the Rosary. Why is it that we repeat the same prayer over and over again? What purpose does it serve? And finally, we will talk about the Luminous Mysteries. If you have any questions that you would like Father to answer on a future episode, please feel free to send them either on the contact form on our website, sspx.org, or on our Facebook page by sending a message. Now, here's Father. Well, Father, thank you again for joining us for another edition of Questions with Father here on the SSPX podcast. It's great to have you back again. It's great to be uh, on the on the program again, Andrew. Absolutely. And uh, we are talking here just at, on the last day of August, on this Friday. Um, this interview will probably be posted uh First week of September, but uh, just a little over two weeks ago was a big day at Holy Cross Seminary uh, ordinations on the Feast of the Assumption on August 15th.
1: That's correct.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So uh, it was it was notable uh, in the sense that uh, there was a Nigerian seminarian, uh, Reverend Mr. Martin Enosi, took the step into the major orders. Uh, is he, as far as you know? And I'm I'm kind of hitting you with a question you may not be prepared for but is he as far as you know the first from holy cross seminary from from Nigeria
1: yes he's the the first uh subdeacon as far as i know uh this nigerian that has been ordained for the society of st pius the 10th so we we did have a nigerian priest who came over to the society for uh, a brief period but I believe this is sort of the first, uh, quote-unquote, homegrown uh, Nigerian vocation uh, that we have in the Society of St. Pius X. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, that's great. So we do have some pictures of that um, uh, by the time the interview is posted. This will be also on uh, on the SSPX uh, Facebook page. Uh, and you can find also the gallery on our news website, fsspx.news. Uh, and it links to a very nice article on your Holy Cross Seminary website. Uh, as well as uh, audio from uh, Bishop de Gallaretta and audio that you have translated then into English yourself. So uh, for our listeners, uh, they can find out more about the beautiful ceremony there. Absolutely. So uh, wanted to wanted to revisit something that we talked about, Father, in our last conversation. Uh, we ended the, ended the conversation with a question from one of our listeners. Uh, and that is, in the fight for tradition, we often focus on the negative. Um, and so we discussed that a little bit. If you'd like to go back and listen to that, you sure can. Uh, but wanted to ask again, um, because we, we, we talked about the negative things, we talked about how, you know, why, uh, why this time has, has produced so many shifts in our faith, um, but we didn't really spend a lot of time on, on the positives. Uh, are there in your mind positives or things that, that provide some hope or, or changes, innovations that were of a positive nature? Yes, yeah, so,
1: so I, I think when, when we had that discussion, uh, the only thing I w- was able to express in the in the given time, and so I didn't really get to the, the positive developments, is the fact that we as traditional Catholics must have a, a balanced uh, sort of uh, perspective towards the post-Vatican II Church in the sense that we must not paint everything with the same brush uh, w- where we get to the point where we're, we're so pessimistic about the situation in the Church that we can't recognize anything good being done. And and I compared it towards to the character of Denethor in, in, in The Lord of the Rings who's just always looking at the evil and he, he looks at it so much he, he loses all hope in the good. Right. Um, and so he refuses to uh, sort of recognize positive developments even though they're staring them in the face so uh, truth be told I mean there, there's really not a, a lot of, of positive things um, that came from the council itself um, or the, the aftermath of the council but um, we, we could point to something like Humanae Vitae of, of Paul VI, which is going to be discussed in the Angelus Conference um, the, later in the year. So obviously it was a reaffirmation of the teaching of the church by, by Pope Paul VI that uh, contraception is is immoral. Um, I mean the way that that he reaffirmed that teaching was was not perfect Um he perhaps based it more on, on arguments of personalism than than on arguments of, of natural law, but um, the fact that, that he did reaffirm the teaching of the church on contraception in the midst of, of immense pressure um, is a good a good thing. And I mean, there, there's no, there's absolutely nothing wrong for us to recognize that as being good. And and on on the contrary. If we can't recognize that as being good, then I think that we've we've fallen into that Denethor complex where it's just all bad and there and there's absolutely impossible for for the post-conciliar uh, hierarchs to do anything right.
0: Yeah, that that that's a really good point. I mean, we don't want to be those doom and gloom Catholics uh, like we talked about a little bit last time. We we don't want to be those types of people that are always just, you know, bashing the the negative. And again, like we said last time if there are things that are negative that are coming out and there are plenty, we will talk about it and our priests will advise us on you know, what is proper, what is not proper, et cetera. And if there are errors, our priests will, will condemn them, confirm them, or not confirm them, but talk about them. And, but we can't constantly be negative. Uh, one of the things that you and I talked about a little bit was the fact that we still need to preach Catholic doctrine uh, not we, you, not me. Uh, we, as the SSPX, uh, needs to preach Catholic doctrine, and and that doctrine, by and large, Absolutely. is positive. It, it's not the wishy washy, you know, everything's wonderful, everything's saved, you know, focusing so much on on you know the divine mercy, um, uh, devotion, but at the same time, Catholicism is 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 all about good news um, for the most part, and so I think we lose a lot by not. Doing that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we we have to. Um get the balance of our faith we have to live the balance of our faith if we if we become unbalanced and it's so easy in, in the world today uh, because things are so confusing to to veer to one extreme or, or the other well if we lose our balance um, we are in danger of, of losing our soul itself so so this is not something that we want to develop this, this kind of mentality right. i was going to mention that um, in this line um, it's it's important for us as well to recognize um, some positive developments in in the last decade with regards to tradition, um, such as Sumorum Pontificum of Pope Benedict XVI, um, the the lifting of, of the quote-unquote excommunications, at least the recognition uh, by the Pope that the excommunications no longer have force when, when we never thought they had force anyway, but it's good for the world to hear that from the Pope. And then the giving of jurisdiction, Uh, for the hearing of confessions to society priests and also the the permission to authorize marriages with with the proper jurisdiction. All of these things are part of the process of restoring um, the proper rights to traditional practice in the church. And let's face it, there there are many, many more steps that have to be made, but these steps have been made and they are positive steps. And if if we don't, uh, if, if we just pitch a hissy fit because they weren't done in exactly the, the right way or they didn't do everything, um, then I think, the, again, there's, there's a, an imbalance in, in our
0: perspective. Right. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, Father, what about some of the changes in a more, uh, I would say, practical level within the Vatican? Um, I'm, I'm speaking of the uh, reform, say, of, of the Vatican Bank, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, do you see that as a positive Event uh, a, a and a positive move.
1: Absolutely. I mean, um, it, the the corruption that that has existed in the church um, and really is is not new because there there's been. Episodes of corruption in the hierarchy of the church um, for for a long time in in the history of the church, or certain uh, episodes all throughout the history of the church. But that corruption is becoming more and more evident within recent news. And the more quickly that gets gets, um we, we say uh, eliminated or there's more transparency, the better. So I think it's a necessary process. Um, and, uh, of course, there's a lot of news out there about even, even the attempts to reform the Vatican Bank uh, by, by Cardinal Pell were somewhat blocked. Um, so we'll just see how that, that develops. But this uh, is, is certainly something that needs to be done.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for, uh, thank you for coming back to that and, and revisiting that a little bit more, Father. Um, you know, it shows... It shows that, that, that you're fair that the SSPX is fair. We're not able uh, we're Absolutely. able just to look at you know, things as a whole and we're able to be honest about what's going on and not just say nope everything is terrible. Um, you know by and large, a lot of things are, are pretty shameful and bad but there are positives. so uh, we'd, be, we'd be wrong to not to not uh, talk about those.
1: Yes, absolutely. It would manifest a bitter spirit and a a spirit, really, of of hatred, which is is definitely not the Catholic spirit. Right. So we have to be able to recognize good when it exists.
0: Right. Well, another one that I'd like to come back to a little bit, and and this was, again, a a question that we got a little bit before. Um, We talked about, I think it was two episodes ago, maybe three, uh, we were talking about the epistodometer um, in, in your book. Uh, and the epistodometer basically Mm -hmm. is, uh, well, you you explain it better than I can, Father.
1: Uh, It's just a way to track your way of looking at reality and again, to have that balance, I don't know. This is a sort of a common Father Robinson theme. I speak a lot about balance because yeah. it's so important in today's world, which is when, when things are so confusing. But um, this meter tracks your, your the balance of your perspective on reality, whether you reduce all knowledge to sense knowledge or you reduce all knowledge to conceptual knowledge. And we discussed how modern modernists um, tend to reduce all knowledge to sense knowledge, they're empiricists, um, and they imply empiricism to religion. So empiricism is the default uh, mentality with, with regards to reality today. Uh, that's why we have this sort of scientocracy where unless you can prove things by means of statistics or mathematics or what have you, then you, you don't take it as being true. So, modernism is is very much that way. It refuses the ability of the mind to use concepts like being to prove the existence of God, contingent being, we're contingent beings, therefore we need to be sustained in existence by uh, an uncaused cause at every moment. Um, It refuses those proofs, it refuses the standard uh, motives of credibility that we give to to prove the Catholic faith, and it reduces all religion to something internal, something of, of the feelings so um that's the basic paradigm of of modernism and i I believe we didn't reach the second half of of the question that was asked and that was where would the vatican ii documents fit uh, uh, in in relation to the epistodometer, and and where would the the popes the composed conciliar popes especially john paul ii benedict and francis fit in um in, in in relation to that right so with, with regards to the Vatican II documents, we as, as society priests, we, we have problem with three um, issues, ecumenism, religious liberty, and collegiality. And i just like to mention how ecumenism and religious liberty specifically come from this empiricism that's connected to, to modernism. Um, if modernism is basically constructing religion on the on the basis of feelings on on your internal experience of God um, then it's not objective it's not something that's uh, built on objective reality it's just based on subjective impressions of every individual person and the problem with with that is that um, subjective feelings cannot be proven to be wrong so if, if you come to me and say, well, um I just had the incredible an incredible experience of of a sunset. Um I'm not gonna say to you, no, you didn't. You know, <laughs> I'm not right, gonna say, right. no, I can prove that you did not have an incredible experience. Um it's just subjective feelings are something that's that are mere that are private and they belong only to the individual person, and they can be expressed in a certain way, but you can't argue about them. So if religion is bu- bu- built on subjective feelings, um, then whenever anybody says that they've had an experience of God, then you've got to take their word um, and you've got to accept that. And so no one can say that this or that religion is wrong if if re- religion is merely something of a feeling so if a buddhist comes to me and says i felt god or i had this experience or a muslim or a baptist um, then i can only say well isn't that wonderful that you experience god i experience god as well through my catholic faith you experience him through your through your uh, baptist faith or your islamic faith and you then have to respect all religions, because all religions are simply a merely an expression of this religious sense that's welling up in, in human beings. And that's what's sort of behind Vatican II's um, support for the ecumenical movement, which tries to appreciate all religions as being valid, when in fact... Previously, uh, we would say, no, the only the Catholic Church is the true church uh, because it only alone has the truth that's revealed by Jesus Christ, and the rest of them adopt error. But right. if religion is based on feelings, then every feeling is true by the fact that it, that it exists. So you have to respect to the feelings of, and, and the, therefore the religions of uh, that are all non-Catholic.
0: That is... Uh Again, one of the very many things, um, I was talking with one of our priests about a year ago, and he laid out very succinctly, I believe it was in a sermon or maybe it was a conversation, he laid out very succinctly and just rattled off a list of all of the things that were touched and have changed and were affected uh, in the last 50 years, and especially because of the council. There's nothing that has been untouched about the Catholic Church. The catechism, hmm. the mass, the sacraments, that the, everything has been touched, and 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 it all stems from that, and and that, you know, that religious, the, the ecumenism that you speak about, the, you know, the seeming unacceptance of our Lord Jesus Christ as as the the head and the king of society and of all religions, not of all religions, but of religion uh, and of faith is is washed away and 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 you know my, my thought is that that was the that was the first domino to fall and, and everything else after that has just been has just been downhill since then.
1: Yeah and you know the thing that really pained Archbishop Lefebvre about this adoption of of the ecumenical mindset is the fact that it destroys the missionary spirit. Yeah. If all religions are good and all people Uh, can find their way to God according to their subjective feelings, then what is the point of going to them and teaching them Catholic truths? Um, That's why so many times in the post-conciliar era, when um, people who are afflicted with this modernism encounter a Muslim, they just encourage him to be a good Muslim, or or a Buddhist, tell him to be a good Buddhist. So that just uh, totally puts... A uh, damper on any desire to go around the world and convert people to our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Right. You know, my uh, my, my father was was a convert. He was he was a Protestant and came over to, to Catholicism. Uh, he was dating my mom, and my mom's my mom's Catholic, uh, and she advised him to go talk with a priest, and he did. This was in the mid the late '60s, uh, and so he came back from the meeting, and and my mom said, "So how, how did everything go?" And my dad said. Oh, it was great. Uh, it doesn't sound like I really need to change anything, and my mom said, "Wait, what?" And so he gave details like, "Oh, yeah, you don't, you don't really have to believe in Mary. You don't really have to do. That. I mean, Father, this is like 1966. This is not, you know, 1980, 1990." Wow. And uh, my mom went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute," because I, I think, I think people at that time, you know, my, my mom is, is an example, and many, many others in her generation who. You know were in their late 20s during that time may not have really been paying attention to the news all the time about what was going on and they just assumed that things were the same and uh no think things were changing drastically but that spirit of ecumenism was was there well, at least in in that one isolated case but i would assume more, more broadly even in those early days Yes. And the thing
1: is, we just lose our Catholic identity when that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, You lose the idea of the fact that you have the true religion and that all people are saved through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the beginning of a, of a loss of faith. That, that's for sure. And so then you would just say, well, it's, no, it's not a big deal if you don't believe in the intercessory role of Our Lady. Um, if you if you don't believe all the dogmas of the Catholic faith, all you have to believe in is yourself. You just have to believe that, that, that God is speaking to you through your feelings and have a personal relationship with God. That's all that's necessary. So, you know, you just lose uh, the Catholic ethos by adopting that sort of relativistic mi- mentality with regards to religion.
0: Right, right. Well, very interesting. And so again, we've we've kind of re revisited a couple topics, but a couple more in depth that we didn't quite get to last time. So thanks for taking the time to to go back over those and explore those in in more detail. Uh, and we could probably do that with almost all of the topics we've talked about, but. I did want to move on, we we do have some time here, um, to a, a new question that we received. Um, this one was, why are we so repetitive with the rosary? Uh, the person who asked me said, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I have to say this, but why do we have to say 50 Hail Marys during the rosary? Why are we doing that repetition over and over again or 150 Hail Marys during the full rosary? Uh, what's the point of doing that over and over and over again well you know
1: i i would start by trying to reaffirm our, precisely our Catholic identity. This is something we do as Catholics, and this is something which Protestants criticize us for. And we all know how Protestants pray. Um, when, when they get together, they, they hold hands, and one of them stands up and makes some sort of extemporaneous speech of, of uh, sort of making up a prayer on the spot. And they refuse to get together and s- say a repetitive prayer like the rosary. So this is the the reason for the difference is that we as Catholics um, are not focused primarily on the words We are focused primarily on the dispositions that a soul has when praying. That's what is most important to us. So, for instance, when our Lord in the agony of the garden, um, Scripture says that he prayed with the self-same word over and over again. Um, so he went back and and said, Father, if it be, if it be possible, um, take this chalice away from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. So he did this several times, and Scripture says he repeated the prayer. So the most important thing is, is not so much uh, what is said, but that disposition of the heart. So it turns out that repetitive prayer helps us Foster a good disposition of the heart. It sort of quiets the body, as it were. If if your uh, mind is relaxed when you're praying and you're not trying to invent um, a a very nice sounding speech, but but rather the words are already set, you're just going to repeat them. That leaves the spirit sort of free to um, rise up to God and, and, for instance, meditate on the mysteries of the Rosary. Um, and this, this, I would like to contrast as well with the Muslims. So the Muslims, they believe that they are to to recite these prayers over and over again in a very perfunctory way. So they often don't know what the words mean that they that they are saying. They're required to say. Day, um, so that's that's the other extreme where you repeat the same words, but you you don't know what they mean, and you just see them as executing a contract with Allah. I mean, if you fulfill this contract, then you will get good things from Him. So, with Catholics, we don't repeat the words in that way. Feel, feeling like we need to, to check a box, and then when we've done it, we get something good from God. But we want to use the repetition of the words to free our spirit so that we can connect with God through our desires um, and our dispositions. That's that's the main point.
0: A, a couple of follow-up points I, I wanted to bring up on, on this, Father. And that is, one, are, are we using the words of the rosary as sort of a way to— and this is a clumsy example, I know, uh, but is this a way for us to basically keep our mouth busy in a sense? And, and I know that the, the, the Ave is a beautiful prayer in and of itself, so that, that's a given. Uh, but is that a way to, for us to just kind of keep, keep our mouth moving? Uh, someone told me once, when you say the rosary, you have, you're using your eyes because you're looking at maybe a, a picture of the mystery or a beautiful image. Um, You're using your hands, you're using your mouth, and you're using your mind. So almost all your senses, except for taste and smell, are are being utilized during this to help minimize distraction. So is that a way for us to keep keep our senses busy in order to allow our uh, mental uh, meditation to really shine?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean that that is the whole point is that the repetition of the words, the holding of the rosary and and the, the telling of the beads creates uh, an environment that's very conducive for the lifting up of the spirit to God. And if you tried to do it without those things, um, it would be a little bit harder. So it's all about creating the proper environment for prayer. And and I want to Um, point out that that this prayer is is revealed by Our Lady Herself. So um, Our Lady Herself revealed it to St. Dominic as a very um, wholesome way of uh, uniting ourselves with, with Our Lord and Our Lady. So there is a divine wisdom in the rosary, and to just despise it on the on the fact that it's a repetition is to miss the whole point of the prayer. It's not just to sort of uh, pray 50 Hail Marys and say, I was able to, to do it and I should get something from God. But it's, it's a way of using your whole being to unite yourself with God, both body and soul, and especially to uh, dispose yourself to meditate on the mysteries of, of our redemption.
0: Right. and and as an aside I uh, was reading a book I I remember this very clearly I was about 10 or 11 years old it was a book about the rosary Uh, I couldn't tell you for the life of me the name of it but the priest who wrote it said uh, why are we doing so many Hail Marys and and he gave a a slightly different answer Uh, his answer was Mary is your mother and how many times a day does your mother here on earth would she love to hear you say I love you there's, there's there's no limit to the amount of time she would love to hear that from one of her sons, from one of her daughters. So, in a sense, you're doing the same thing. A Hail Mary is telling the Blessed Virgin, I love you. And there's no limit to that.
1: No, there's definitely not. I mean, that, that, that reminds me of some beautiful things that St. Louis de Montfort says in The Secret of the Rosary. And uh, some stories that, that he has in there. But... That's absolutely correct. I mean, we we foster the dispositions of love towards our Lord and our Lady by praying the self same words. And we keep ourselves in an attitude of humility as well. Um, we're not trying to say, hey, check out this incredibly eloquent prayer that I've come up with right on the spot. (laughs) But rather we're just very, keeping ourselves in a very simple attitude and we just turn our hearts towards our Lord and our Lady um, and and repeat the same words while doing so.
0: Okay. So to tie this all together, Father, we were talking about the rosary and then we were talking about uh, how everything in the past 50 years has been changed. One of the things that has been touched, one of the things that has been changed uh, Pope John Paul II added another set of mysteries, the luminous mysteries. I received a question from uh, from someone who asked, why does the SSPX not promote the luminous mysteries?
1: Well, I think um, a distinction needs to be made here, and, and that is that that praying um, a decade of the rosary and meditating on a different mystery from the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious mysteries is not wrong in itself. Uh, St. Louis de Montfort himself recommended this, that, that we use the rosary as a meditative prayer, not just for for the 15 mysteries, but other mysteries, if we want, if we want to choose some other mystery. Um, it's, in other words, the Rosary is just a general method of prayer and can be used to meditate on any of the mysteries of the faith. So, it's not wrong to meditate on other mysteries of the faith when you're when you're praying a, a Rosary. Um, but the th- the problem we have with luminous mysteries is that the five mysteries that are chosen seem to distract from the central mysteries of our redemption. In other words, the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious mysteries are a block, and they are in the direct line of the mysteries of our redemption. The coming of our Lord to to this earth, um, the salvation of of mankind through His passion, and then the consummation of that work with the reception of, of the glory that comes from redemption. So, it would seem that the mysteries proposed by Pope John Paul II kind of distract us uh, from those mysteries of redemption and propose a different idea of redemption, the the post-conciliar idea of redemption, which is that our Lord did not so much redeem us by dying on the cross for our sins, but more by showing us the love of the Father. So the the luminous mysteries um, where you see some miracles of our Lord or you see the transfiguration of, of our Lord um, and our, our uh, certain manifestations or the baptism of our Lord uh, often manifestations of, of the Father or the love of the Father. And we feel like if we prayed these mysteries publicly, um, it would slowly erode the focus of of the faithful on those primary mysteries of the of the true redemption, which is our Lord's death on the on the cross. So um, that's the primary problem we have, and why we feel it's it's prudent not to pray those mysteries in public.
0: Right, and and the SSPX had written an article some time ago regarding the luminous mysteries. Uh, one point that I found particularly intriguing was. Uh, that there are multiple chaplets, uh, prayers using uh, the repetition of the Hail Marys and Our Fathers of various sorts um, that are said with devotion. Um, the the author of the article, um, I believe it was in the Angelus, said, you know, if, if Pope John Paul II had said that he would like to uh, create a chaplet a luminous chaplet or the chaplet of john paul ii or something like that i i I don't think and i'm putting words in your mouth father but i I don't think that that the society of saint pius x would have so much of an issue with that because it's not really watering down the rosary it's not changing the rosary that was handed down uh, by tradition uh, from our lady to saint dominic you know some 500 years ago this is adding a new devotion which the popes can do that it's 100% within their authority to do but 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 again it it just kind of flies in the face of 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 tradition it's yet one more thing that was that was touched and changed
1: yes yeah but as i say it's um it's kind of a foreign element the luminous mysteries are a foreign element introduced into the joyful sorrowful and glorious mysteries um they they don't really fit and they tend to match up with the theology that about the redemption that we do not accept.
0: Right, right.
1: Well, if fa- you want to make them fit.
0: Right, right, exactly. Well, uh, Father, thank you for your time. Um, it's been a pleasure as always to speak with you. And uh, we have more questions that have been coming in, and uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking with you soon. I was also talking with Father Kurtz uh, down in Dick- Dickinson, Texas, and uh, he'd like to chime in on a few items as well. So. Uh, We'll have that uh, in the queue coming forward, but I look forward to speaking with you in the next couple or three weeks, and I hope uh, things are going well at Holy Cross Seminary and that uh, you're getting ready for the, uh, you know, for the fall, what is it? No, spring season now.
1: That's right, spring season. Very
0: good, very good. Yeah. Well, Father, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and rate the podcast so that more people can hear the beauty and truth of traditional Catholicism. For more news, resources, and updates, you can visit the U.S. District website at sspx.org or the English News website of the Society at fsspx.news.